Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly. Awesome. Well, Emily, I am so excited that you're here. Okay. How crazy is this that we met in like 2016, I think, and we were both doing completely different things. Like you were not even doing photography full-time, I don't think. You- No, I hadn't even. Yeah. I think you were still working at like Lululemon. I was. So that's crazy. And like- at that point, I don't think you even knew what you wanted to do. 100%. Like, I was happy at Lululemon, but I knew there was more to life than stretchy pants. So, yeah, I mean, I was kind of just going along with, like, you know, make money and you'll figure it out eventually. Um, but, yeah, photography wasn't even on my radar. And it's so funny because I don't even remember why we went to lunch. We went to lunch with one of our mutual friends and you actually did a headshot for me. So you had a camera and you at least were doing photography to some degree, but I don't even know how that connection came to be. That was when we both were living in LA. Yeah. Yeah, That's so, no, I don't, I don't think I was living in LA. I think I was living in Vegas, but going back down to LA, it was after I'd already moved away from LA. Yeah. You were just visiting and Actually, I feel like that luncheon, I maybe just had moved away as well. And we were like both in town. I could be wrong, but I do remember like people were randomly starting to say to me, will you like, can I pay you for a headshot? And I was like, so uncomfortable. I'm like, sure. Uh, (laughs) So like, I definitely never intended for this passion to be monetized and I was like so nervous. Like I even remember taking your photo being like, what the heck am I doing? Um, This sweet girl is like letting me take her photo. So those were early days. That is so funny. I actually still have that photo and use it sometimes for things. And I'm like, that is hilarious. I look very different. And yeah, they were cute cute photos. Yeah, they were great photos. No, they were really good. And I love that restaurant. We were like right off of... um, in West Hollywood. So super fun little area and super fun experience. But I feel like since then, things have just changed drastically. You obviously were at Lululemon. You were working on some like kids stuff with them, like when they were working on different projects. And then you went into just doing yoga. And now like, what the heck have you been up to? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, wow. So much has changed since, um, you know, LA Emily. Like, I feel like that's just such a different girl at this point. Um, But yeah, I was working for Lululemon's little girls clothing line and they basically shut their doors. So it kind of forced me to reevaluate what I was doing with my life, career, um, everything. And at that kind of pivotal age, I think in women, which is 27, I feel like 27 to 30 can be really transformational. And I was so low and I was just like, okay, that door is closing. I'm going to just like take that as my sign from the universe and run with it. So I moved back to the Bay Area, which is where I'm from. 
and I started, I went into yoga teacher training. And like at that time, I was basically teaching yoga, like just kind of starting to dip my toes in photography, yoga photography, and I ended up doing social media for Athleta. So I was juggling these three different things, all very creative and in my mind, spiritual. And um, I think I've always had a passion for photography, but you know how, I mean, A, our parents' generation are going to like say that passions and hobbies like should just be that and you don't need to monetize them. They're not a career. So I had that in the back of my mind. But also I think sometimes when you're trying to figure out like what's next for yourself in a career, you like try so hard and you like search Mm -hmm. LinkedIn and Craigslist and all the things. And you're like, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And it's not until you fully like surrender that like sometimes it just falls into your lap and just like you and some other people are like, you've got an eye for photography. And so I feel like I needed that kind of validation. Um, And then it wasn't until 2020 that really forced me to like look at what I was doing. And I just had this feeling that I needed to run with photography. So that was, I mean, I don't even know if that answers your question, but that kind of sums up what I've been up to the past five years. It's crazy. Five years. That's like super mind blowing because I was in like a very different space as well. At that time, I owned a marketing agency with a partner. I think I was still, I was either still with my partner at that time, but we were like on, we were sort of in the period where we were dissolving our company and we were going on our own. And it was such a crazy time and things have just, yeah, changed so much. But I'm glad that at least. You know, one thing I will say with COVID, the pandemic, 2020, whatever you want to call that era or the era we're still kind of in, it was like such a really good opportunity for a lot of people and obviously across all ages, but especially I think in our generation and our age range from like 27 to 35-ish to really figure out what we were doing and if we wanted to do what we were doing and how to make it a career if we wanted to. Totally. And yeah, it was kind of this like confrontational time if you let it be. Like you're like, oh, my systems at home are not working or my systems in my relationship are not working or wow, these political systems are not working or, you know, whatever the case is. So yeah, I feel like there were kind of two types of people like did you take that and make a change or did you kind of just like, I don't know, sit in it? Is that too dark? I think a lot of people did. I mean, I think a lot of people almost saw it as, I hate to use the word pity party, but a lot of people kind of used it as this like, as this woe is me, which we're allowed to, you're allowed to do that. But I think that, like you said, there's two different types of people. There's the people that act on it. And then there's the people that just kind of observe and, I think we were both those people that were like, well, this is a great opportunity to try something out. I think it always surprises people. Like, yes, I've always loved fitness and I started coaching fitness in 2019. But like, I never, I never, ever, ever had any intention of being full-time in fitness. Like, absolutely not. Like, I thought that being a trainer was like the quickest way to going broke. I just didn't think that it was real for me. Like you hear, like trainers don't make that much money. I know that depends on where you're at, what city you live in, whatnot. But 
Personal yeah. training is not known as a lucrative career. It's really not. And so and I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I kind of have like two thoughts on this. It's like, A, you I really believe that where you put your energy, like what is that quote of like where your energy, where your tension goes, the energy flows. So it's like maybe you never thought it was possible to, you know, make a full-time living out of fitness, but it's like the more you put all of your energy attention into it it's like you repeat what you repeat you strengthen i'm like throwing out all these quotes but it's really true i feel like the more you just lean in the more it returns back to you yeah and it goes back to kind of manifestation and i <laughs> i always have a hard time with this because i am not a manifester i am not a vision board creator i am so not on that wavelength. But at the same time, somebody told me one time, they were like, the more you say something is realistic in your life or is happening in your life, the quicker it's actually going to happen. Like yeah. I know I've heard public speakers talk about the fact that when they start their business and people email them, they pretend to be an assistant. Mm -hmm. And they're like, thank you for emailing so-and-so. I'll get back to you and sign it with a different name. And yeah. people could think of that as like, wow, you're just a liar. Or people could see that as, wow, you have the idea that you're going to have this thing one day. So I, I almost like pretending that you're going to have it and stating yeah. to the universe and manifesting that it actually is present in your life so that it can be a thing. Like I have been saying for a long time, we, we, we in my business. And people are like, who's we? And I was like, well, right now we is me. But like we will be yeah. we at some point. And so yeah. we is going to be a group of us. <laughs> I love that. And I mean, I think what's so beautiful if you choose to take the route of entrepreneurship, which is really scary. And I think to the outside, a lot of people think it's like all butterflies and rainbows and like sitting on your couch. But it's not the easy path. And I think what's beautiful about it is you can actually create whatever you want. Like there is no cap. So I think that piece, whether you're spiritual or not, of like if one day you want to be a we, like speaking and living into that, um, you just never know what's possible. And I think that we often have visions. Like we're like, I am going to be a company with five employees one day. And we tend to get really caught up in the how. And you're like, but mm -hmm. how the hell am I going to do that? But I think if you just put one foot forward and like you put in the work every single day, all of a sudden you're at that point with five employees and you're like, whoa, how did I do that? You know? Yeah, no, totally. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that kind of leads into like, are you, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. So are you solely doing photography like full time right now? Yeah. So I dove in basically my first full-time year started in 2021. So okay. I was like, like I mentioned, I was doing other gigs. Um, and 2021 was my first full-time year and it kind of just fell into my lap. I'm sure if I dove in deeper, I would see that it wasn't just that simple. Um, but I do work with women entrepreneurs, um, small business owners, creatives, coaches, healers. So I basically help these women um, with their branding and their websites and social media. And whether they have a vision or not, um, we just kind of expand on it together and really get strategic in 
how can this photography translate into your brand image and allow you to show up online in a really consistent, cohesive, confident way? So yeah, I work with all types of badass entrepreneurial women. I mean, that's super awesome as well, because I think it gives you a lot of insight in how they're growing their businesses, maybe what they're manifesting and how it can help you as well. So like, what are some of the favorite accounts you've worked on or what are some of your favorite creators that you've worked with in your business? Wow, that is a great question. And it's really hard to choose. Um, One thing that I loved recently was working with a personal stylist. I feel like the reason why I loved that shoot so much was it was this reminder that as a society, we have evolved from 2020. And um, like we mentioned, it allowed us to, or provided an opportunity to like, look at how life was. And one of the things that I think came out of 2020, which a lot of people might not realize is that a lot of people are actually sick of wearing um, like the same thing over and over again at home and people want to look nice again. And a lot of people don't know where to begin. So I've been working with personal stylists and I think what's really fun about those shoots too is they're highly creative. So like the outfits are incredible, the locations are incredible and they just create this really aesthetically pleasing image. I'm trying to think of another fun shoot. I've been diving into realtors recently and Mm. I think what's really cool about realtors is that we're moving into this modern age where the younger generations are starting to buy houses. So it's really important to show up on Instagram and TikTok. And it's like not your mama's like realtor photography anymore. Like they want cool, edgy photography. So that's been really fun to change too. Cause I don't know about you, but where I grew up, like you would see a realtor's face, like on a grocery shopping cart. (laughs) And it's like very traditional lighting and like big hair. And it's like, call Susan if you need help. And now it's like these cool edgy photos. So that's been really rad to see too. That's awesome. Yeah. It always looks like so much fun when you're in these shoots, because like you said, you are in such a creative field. And obviously I love being in fitness and I love what I do, but sometimes I miss that creative aspect of being able to put together some of that fun stuff and the experiences. But you obviously come from a health and wellness background, having worked for Lululemon, you obviously did yoga teacher training. How do you think that your lifestyle has had to shift being a full-time entrepreneur, owning a really productive, creative business, going from, again, health and wellness into entrepreneurship? That's a really hard word to say, but how has your like health and fitness life had to change a little bit because of that? That's a great question as well. So what's really funny about working for um, Lululemon is, and I don't know if I can give like all of this away, but they obviously value work-life balance and they out, they value you being out in the community and working out. So when I was work, I worked there for six years and you're put into this fun lifestyle where you go to work and you work out. So it was almost just part of my routine. And then teaching yoga, you need to have a personal practice so you can show up for others in that way. And so when I was teaching yoga, I was doing yoga every morning. And now that I'm in the thick of my business and it's very busy, I have to take what I learned from those previous experiences and apply it to my work schedule because 
a creative mind and artsy mind can be really scattered and all over the map. So basically every Sunday, I'll, I still like using written planners. I'll like write down every single workout I want to do because what I find is that movement and meditation really allows me to ground and connect to my creativity. So like I basically have to move my body um, and move some energy through. So yeah, I think it just is more of that self-will and structure that you have to create on your own. Like you don't have, you know, you don't have a boss or or anyone. So you just have to create that structure yourself. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I totally agree. I think that when it comes to creating routine as an entrepreneur, it just comes down to fitting it in your schedule and like what works for you. Obviously we both, neither of us have children and we're in a place where we have a little bit more flexibility with our timelines. I believe you're in a relationship, but you're not married. And so we again, have a little bit more flexibility than some other people, but it's so important to schedule out activities you like. I personally, I will forever be a morning workout person. Like I would rather wake up super early, get my workout in, and then just have the rest of my day. There is something about working out in the afternoon or evening that just like puts an absolute stop to my day. Like if I work out at three o'clock, then I'm done for the day. Like we're not doing anything else after. I feel that. It's like, and I also sometimes like today, I felt like getting ready. And if I had gotten ready today and then I had to go to the gym, like I know I wouldn't have wanted to take off my makeup, get my hair. Like, no, I just got ready. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to throw a wrench in my day, but I think it's so important to have everything planned out and even nutrition wise. You happen to live in one of my favorite cities ever. Mm. Um, I'm so jealous that you moved to San Francisco. It is like absolutely one of my favorite cities, which shocks people, but I love everything about it. And so what's it been like moving to San Francisco? Obviously, like you said, you lived in LA for a little bit. You're from the Bay Area, but what's it like living in San Francisco and making this transition? Yeah. So San Francisco has always been on my bucket list to live in the city. So when you grow up in the Bay Area outside of the city, you just refer to it as the city. So some people that's like, what are you talking about? But when you grow up in the suburbs, you just call it the city. Um, so it was always on my bucket list to live here. And I lived in LA. I loved it so much. There's a side of me that is very much like out in the sun, in the ocean. Um, you know, Santa Monica is very health forward and conscious. And San Francisco is just such a different breed. It's, it can be very artistic. It's obviously gorgeous. There's so much history here. And I wanted to move into the city truly to like spark just creativity and my imagination and just gain inspiration living here um, for future shoots and all of that. So it's been rad. Um, I will say like the kind of cheesy cliche things are true. I mean, the hills are real and you feel them in your booty every single day. (laughs) Um, So if you want to get a good butt, move to San Francisco. It's very foggy during the summer. And that's kind of weird if you're like, you love sunshine in the summer. But if you're like, I could avoid the heat, then you should come to San Francisco. And... You know, what they say about the homeless and the trash, unfortunately, is true. Like, it's just gotten really bad over the years, but not necessarily a deal breaker, just kind of a bummer to see. So 
it's been really cool to live here and I feel really, really fortunate. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about San Francisco is that it's such a diverse city. I would say the closest comparison really is New York. Like, And the reason I even would compare the two is just because there's so many different neighborhoods. And I feel like not a lot of cities have what those two cities have. Like, yes, Austin has different areas, different suburbs. Yes, of course, every city has that. But San Francisco and New York have like very distinct neighborhoods that are visually so different and have different cultures and traditions behind them. And I just think that is so awesome. Like I just always remember we lived fairly close to San Francisco. And so we would drive in pretty often. Like we were going at least like four or five, six times a year because we just loved it. And seeing every season in San Francisco, it's just so different and getting to experience like fall is so different than from where, where I was from or winter is different and summers are like so much cooler, but then you'll get like a random really hot day with a really nice breeze. If you go towards the wharf, like, I don't know, it's just so cool. And I have so many good memories there and I love everything about it. I can only imagine that if I lived there, I would be getting so many steps in every single day because (laughs) you really have to walk around to get to a lot of places. Like I, I mean, yes, you can obviously drive, but driving in San Francisco is not fun in my personal opinion. I hate, hate driving in the city and oh my God, it's really, it's really terrible. There's nothing worse than being stuck on a hill. You're like sticking out of a light. People are honking at you. There's a a freaking trolley coming by and you're like, I can't move. Totally. Yeah. It's so intimidating. And I think once you live here, you start to like toughen up and you just like, next thing you know, you're the one honking. Um, But I will say to your note of like walking everywhere, last summer I was dating and I would like, so San Francisco style is really weird too. In my personal opinion, this might be an unpopular opinion, but the style here is not good. Everyone literally does look like they're about to go for a hike or like I don't know. They're just in a puffer jacket. So I was like trying to piece together some cute outfits, maybe like a dress and a leather, whatever. But I would end up wearing sneakers and I would just tell myself, like I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, you know what? The right man will embrace you and your sneakers. (laughs) I would just walk everywhere. And I would like not realize that there were so many hills and I would show up to my date, not only in sneakers, no matter the outfit, but like huffing and puffing, kind of frazzled, like hair frizzy from the fog. And I was just like, you know what? Trust the process. The right man will love you. Okay. So, and it works. So did the right, did you find the right man? I found the right man. And he likes your frizzy hair and sneakers and all. Yeah. And (laughs) my cute outfit, which is such a shame because it was adorable. It was like a black dress, leather, and I had some sneakers on and I was like, I look good. That is amazing. But I feel like if I lived in that city, okay, so I'm also going to share an unpopular opinion. I do not think Austin food is mind blowing. Everyone that lives in Texas or in Austin thinks Austin's the best food city. Yeah. Now Austin has good food. I'm not going to say there's bad food. I just don't think it's the best food city. I still, I hands down think (laughs) Vegas is the best food city, but that's a whole other conversation. But how do you stay in shape or on top of your game when you live in San Francisco where there is literally a new restaurant 
every single week. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are perks to walking. Like you can, it's so San Francisco is seven by seven miles. So not that I'm saying I'm about to walk seven miles to a new restaurant, but like, that's kind of a small, yeah. you know, that's not that big. So anyways, I do think that you can walk a lot of places. You can um, scooter and bike. Scooter, you're obviously not going to get in a workout, but you can bike. And I think that there's just so many beautiful places to go hiking and running. And there are some great workouts. So, I mean, I'm all about like getting in a run and then going hard on some like bagels or pizza or like new cuisine, pasta, whatever. So I think it's possible to have both. I agree. And I, you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Walking is so underrated and (laughs) plus the Hills. I just moved to an apartment complex where I live in like the last building and we're in the Hills. Um, So I'm in like the Hills of Austin and I have to walk up a massive hill. Now it's only one hill. It is not a huge hill. It's just a hill to get to my mailbox. It's a seven minute walk to my mailbox. Mm -hmm. This one hill kicks my ass every single time imagine doing that for seven miles (laughs) yeah right like and it just never gets easier like even if you have just one hill every day you're like how is this not getting easier yeah it's crazy but walking is super underrated and even if walking is like the only thing you're doing I think people forget that it's such a beneficial workout and that you can get so much from it. You're obviously still incorporating in other other movement. Maybe that's yoga or something that brings a little bit more spirituality into your everyday workout practice, but then you're walking. And so you're still getting movement and you're not focusing just on, you know, you can do strength training a couple times a week, but I, I think people get, have this misconception that they have to do every hit workout every single day and then they forget about walking yeah I know it's such a good point and I feel like in general I mean I do this a lot in different areas of my life but I'm like if I am not going to get in three miles then I'm not running at all when the reality is like I'd still benefit from just going for one mile or like however long I last and I think that that's another thing it's like even when it comes to, well, let's just Uber or let's just drive there or whatever, when it's not that hard of a walk. So I think it's just making choices and like setting yourself up to be able to, you know, move your body. Yeah. Oh man. Just like talking about walking gets me super excited. I, when I moved to Austin, one of the things is I wanted to live in a more walkable city, which is kind of ironic because I just moved to like the least walkable part of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just moved like where I live is not walkable, but I always mm-hmm. wanted to live in a walkable city. And that's one of the things I also love about San Francisco. Like you said, everything is fairly walkable. Like there are surely some areas in San Francisco you do not want to be walking through, especially as a single female at late at night. But in general, like if you live in a safe neighborhood, people do walk everywhere or people are on scooters, people are taking the trolleys, people are like getting around. I mean, y'all have great public transportation, which is something yeah. that a lot of cities don't have. So it's it's nice. That's definitely a luxury that some people don't have. Totally. But I, I agree. That's great. Okay. What is your absolute favorite workout that you've done in San Francisco and your favorite healthy-ish restaurant? Wow. Okay. So I'll start with the restaurant. That's easy. No brainer in my opinion. It's called Wild Seed 
and it's on Union Street in the marina. And it's definitely for the girls. Like, from the outside, it's white, it's adorable, it's got a cute font, and um, there's outside seating and indoor seating, and it's all plant-based, actually. And I know that, yeah, I know for some people that can kind of, like, be a turnoff, but they do such an incredible job at, like, making such hearty comfort food that you don't even realize um, that you're eating plant-based foods. So that one's really fun, really good cocktails and mocktails. And that's the best Um, neighborhood in San Francisco, in my opinion. That's my favorite neighborhood. That and Russian Hill. Oh my God, same. Yeah. And it's funny because the marina is really beautiful. And I always joke that it is kind of a mini LA. Like it's very health conscious and forward. And you see girls walking around in stretchy pants and like cool sneakers. So it is like if you like LA. There's a lot of like- stigma about the marina. When I was looking at living there and I would tell people that, they're like, you look like somebody that would live in the marina. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's what I got told too. They'd say like, you look like a marina girl, but like you have the soul of like a different neighborhood. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take that. Like I also don't really feel like I have a marina soul, but you know what? let's just not knock it. Like I think Marina serves a purpose. And a lot of times it's really attractive for when you're in your twenties. Cause like there's a little bit of a party vibe. Um, it's so cute. Yeah. It's adorable. And it's good bars, awesome. good bars yeah, too. Good bars. So yeah, it's great. Okay. So best workout. I know this okay. is a hard one. Yeah, that is a hard one. I currently do class pass because I love variety. Um, and I also find it's just like a easy way to network. So I, it's hard for me to play favorites. I do love- Pick like two modalities. Pick like maybe like a Pilates and then something else. Okay. So I walked to this yoga studio on Union and it is called um, Yoga Flow. And that is great. Um, I also love, I like feel so bad playing favorites with yoga because I go to, I like all the studios for different reasons. So there's one called The Pad and there's one called Love Story. And they're all great and they all have their like unique thing and energy. But I'm currently on a Pilates kick and I've been going to this studio called Core 40. I can walk to them. It's Legree, so it's kind of intense. The hardest. Um, Oh my God. It's so hard. And I like, I shake like crazy and I want to swear and curse and get angry, but I always leave feeling so strong. So I've been trying to incorporate strength training back into my life. I love that. Yeah. If anybody is listening and looking for a workout to incorporate into strength training that has more of a Pilates focus. I highly recommend Legree Pilates. We have a core power, no, core power is yoga. We have a, what is it called? Solid core, Hmm. which I don't know if you've done solid core. It's also Legree. When I say it is one of the hardest workouts I've ever done, I am not over-exaggerating. Like, I would definitely consider myself to be a very fit person. I work out, I strength train four days a week. I do cardio once a week. Like, I've been active my entire life. I I had to sit down and stop the workout because I genuinely couldn't do it. And I was on, like, the easy level springs. Like, it is something else. I do not know how people do that all the time. Like, their core must be insane. Yeah. And it's fast. So like 
you could look up to try to understand how other people are doing it and the move is over already. Yeah. So it's, it's like crazy. It's, that's so fun. Like. Yeah, I love that though. I also love ClassPass. I think ClassPass is a really great way if you are trying to figure out, like if you don't like fitness and you're trying to figure out what works best for you. I think that ClassPass yeah. has a great variety because they do have like CrossFit style classes. They have Pilates, they've got yoga, and you can kind of do a little bit of everything. They also have open gyms on there. So if you have, if you do strength training, you can also like try out new gyms if you're new to a city. So I think it's yeah. a super awesome option. I think I first used ClassPass when I lived in Los Angeles just to like, yeah. like you said, meet people, network, but I had to cancel because I would always miss classes because I couldn't park in LA. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's evolved a lot since LA days. Like, it's a completely different app. And it also is cool because if you do travel a lot, you can use the credits in whatever city you're in. And I don't know if they do this everywhere, but they do it in San Francisco. You can even book, like, nail appointments, mm-hmm. hair appointments, massages. So, like, if you're not using your credits and you just – like don't feel like working out and go get your nails done. Yeah, no, that is so great. I love that. And I think, like I said, it's a great alternative to people trying to figure out what they're, what they're doing. Okay. So I want to get back on the business train a little bit, and I'd love to hear from you. You obviously have built a successful business from the ground up, Like, what are some of the key takeaways you learned while growing your business that you think are really important for somebody that wants to start something on their own? I would say in terms of like, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you know that you want to work for yourself, but you like don't know what to do, I, that's a little bit of like self-reflection, introspection, introspective moment, but A lot of times what I tell people is like, what do people come to you for? So for me, people started to come to me for photography when it wasn't even on my radar. So like, just give yourself that space to kind of think about your strengths, your passions, and then what do people naturally come to you for? And then once you figure that out, just let it be fun and try new things. So For example, with photography, there's so many different routes you can go. So I always tell people who are interested in just taking photos of everything from like travel to flowers to um, buildings to people to, you know, food, whatever it is, and just start taking photos and then also use your network. So like put yourself out there tell people you're feeling vulnerable, but like you're just in a creative space, you want to play, whatever. Um, But that's photography specific. So it's kind of like I'd go back to saying use your network. So whatever you're looking to dive into, like share with your network, you're on this new journey. And like whether it is them or someone they know, like can you be of service to them? So once you kind of get your business going, whatever it may be, I think for the most part, a lot of it is going to be trial and error. Everything from how do you structure your days and your business to your prices, to your marketing, do you need a teammate? So much of it is just going to be trial and error error and brainstorming. And I truly feel like it takes time for you to understand like what your business needs and how to like 
hone in like, okay, I need a new platform to share with my customers, or I do need to bring on an assistant. Like it just takes time. So creating a vision, understanding your why, and then literally showing up every day, like do not quit. There's been so many times over the past couple of years that I've actually contemplated quitting. And I feel like those women that I look up to that are in the same field, they, that's like the number one thing they tell me, they're like, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And I, I keep that close to me. So I guess that would be kind of the final thing that I say is like, reach out to people who are in the field and remember that there's no need to be competitive. There's space for all of us and to work with a mentor or someone who has done this before you will be very helpful. Yeah, I agree with all of those things. I think that being an entrepreneur, like again, I never really, I don't think I had any intention to start a business. I think that I always knew, you know, when I actually moved to Los Angeles because I wanted to be a stylist, I thought like I'm going to be the next Rachel Zoe. That was my goal. That was my dream. That was like every intention. So I think I always knew I wanted to be the boss. I just didn't know how I wanted to be the boss. And so I think sometimes it just comes from, like you said, you maybe have that spirit or that intention, but don't know what path you want to take. And you may not even know that you wanted to do that. Like I probably not until I just said that out loud that I realized that maybe I always had thought that. I just didn't think it at the capacity that I was in. Like it was a very accidental thing. And so I think it's good to, like you said, listen to your network, see what people are wanting from you, and then just keep going. It is such a trial and error. I got asked recently in an interview, what like what things did you do to succeed in your business or something? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I just try stuff. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. Like, I just don't always think there's a rhyme or reason. And I think there's so many entrepreneurs out there that will disagree with that. And they'll say that you need to have like a lot of systems in place. And yeah, eventually down the line you do. But I am such a try it and see if it works kind of person. Like I also had somebody recently come to me and she's like, well, how'd you get started? And I was like, you just kind of figure it out. Like, yeah you're not going to know what your prices are at the beginning. You probably way undercharged. I mean, like you said, you were doing headshots for free and people were like, well, can I pay you? And you were like, uh, I guess like you're going to way undercharge in the beginning. You're not going to know what the heck you're doing. You're probably going to do a million things wrong and you're going to figure it out. And if you just keep going, you're going to keep figuring out new things every day. (laughs) Totally. And so much of it is mental too. So like, I feel like one thing that's really cool about my business is I took all of my previous experience from like my Lululemon days, social media days, teaching yoga. And one thing I know for sure is that people just want to feel good and people want to feel seen and like cared for essentially. So like no matter what you end up offering, always come back to like, how can I serve others and how can I make others feel good? Like, Yes, you're trying to make a living, but when you're working for yourself, like it really comes down to the customer. And so you need to keep them first. And like, how can I serve them and make them feel good? Because then ultimately what will end up happening is like, even if you give them the weirdest service and like you're in beginning stages, 
if they felt good and they love you, they will tell the entire world about you. Like you need to hire this girl. And that's kind of how I got started was all just word of mouth. So just remember that too, like build up your confidence, like stay strong, know that you have a lot to offer and like make other people feel really good. Yeah. Be super true to yourself. It's like imposter syndrome is inevitable in anything, whether you have a career or you're building your own business. But I think that as long as you are kind to people, you're vulnerable and honest with people and you do your best, that's when people notice you. I don't always feel like I'm doing the quote unquote best job with my clients. And then they'll turn around and tell me how much they appreciate me or what I said was so riveting to them. And I was like, what did I, what did I say? (laughs) So I think that's so important to just speak your truth. And people really do come to you as a service because of like what you're putting out there and the attitude you have surrounding it. So if you have a good attitude, you have a positive attitude. Yes, you need to have a fairly decent product, but people Mm -hmm. have so many options. I mean, there's a million photographers in San Francisco. They could literally go with anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you're making them feel. Yeah, totally. And I feel like kind of on this theme of like, staying true to yourself and being vulnerable. Like, I think there's an aspect of asking for feedback and like being open to it too. So it's kind of a two-parter asking for feedback when you do start out, when you're first starting out and you deliver that service and like being confident in who you are and being open and just saying, can you give me some feedback? Like, how was the product? How was the service? Like, and just taking what you're hearing from others and running with it. And just don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, I feel like that's the whole point of vulnerability. And I think people really, um, it's really well received when you can just find the courage to be like, I need help or like, help me be better. You know? I totally agree. Feedback is one of those things that is wildly uncomfortable to receive, but it makes a huge difference. I mean, the delivery, it can be rough sometimes, but I think it's really beneficial when you're trying to grow a business or create something that is a good product because you can think something's great, but the way it's delivered might not be making sense. Like I over delivered to my clients a lot of times and they're like, we're so confused, but that's really great feedback because it's like, I'm almost doing too much. And so remembering to pull back, but do you feel like that has like being a business owner has changed how you approach your own life and how you approach other business aspects. Because I've noticed that I act differently in other businesses because I am a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for starters, it, yeah, it kind of opens your eyes and you have this whole new compassion, especially for, um, small business owners, or like if you ever go into like a small plant shop or something like that, you just get it. And, you know, being a small business owner or an entrepreneur can be really isolating and you live in your head. Like you don't have a team member or a boss to be like, Hey, I have an idea. Can I run it by you? Instead you're with yourself and you're like, Hey, I have an idea uh, is that a shit idea? I think that's a shit idea. Or like, oh, that's a good idea. And then no one else thinks it is. So yeah, I think it's affected my life in that 
I now understand and really value um, community and like keeping others, other creative freelancers close to me because there's such highs and lows of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship that you really do want to have um, people that are not your partner, not your parents, like not even your closest girlfriends because people, they just don't get it. Like, I love you all. They don't get it. They don't get it. So if you are like, hey, I have this idea and you tell your boyfriend and he's like, uh, you're instantly going to like, yeah. like, wait, what? And so, yeah, I feel like um, it's affected just the way that I do show up in the world, that I, how I treat other businesses and kind of how I treat myself too, because I've, I know I already said this, but being an entrepreneur is like one of the bravest things you can do. I just find it, it's like so rewarding and it's so challenging. Yeah. And especially like we literally live month to month, you know, we, I mean, to some degree, but uncertainty. yeah. And I mean, we both live in very expensive cities and it's really hard when you're in this big city and you're like, holy crap, I live in a shoebox and I'm paying my entire salary <laughs> to myself on this little shoebox while I'm trying to feed my dog, while I'm trying to like have a social life. And so it can definitely be super, super terrifying. But no, I'm with you. I think that the way I approach other businesses is so different. But on the flip side, I also think it has made it so I have a lot higher of expectations for businesses. Mm -hmm. Because I think for such a long time, I was afraid to be confrontational if I didn't like something in a business, if I got a meal I didn't like, or they didn't do my nails the way I wanted to, I wouldn't ever say anything. But I think how you deliver that feedback can be really vital and it can produce a better product for them on the other side. And so I think that it's really taught me how to be confrontational in a positive way so that I can make sure I'm getting a service I want. Cause you obviously want your clients to be happy with your product. Like you don't want people walking out unhappy with what you've done for them. Yeah. That's such a great point. It's like the communication and the feedback has shifted. And also it kind of just makes me think like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where my thought train was just going, but like I feel that so deeply. Yeah, I always that's always an interesting perspective when I tell people that. They're like, "Oh, I didn't think about that." But you think even like when you go to a restaurant, and again, in San Francisco, a lot of those are going to be restaurants that are privately owned, even if it's a big chef whatever, they're privately owned restaurants. And yeah. When you go, if they bring out your food cold, a lot of people wouldn't say anything and they would just eat their yeah. cold meal. But like Imagine you send somebody photos and they're not edited in the way that you guys had discussed. And they were like, whoa, like I hate these photos. And they just spent all this money on them. Wouldn't you rather them like their product and redo it? 100%. Because you want them to use your product and share the product and like love on the product and then come back for more. So yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing too that I think comes up is like not only your communication and your feedback and the way you view business, but also boundaries. So like as a small business owner, you have to learn boundaries. So like I, that was always my opportunity when I was getting started. And it wasn't until last year when I like changed my business model that I really felt and understood what having boundaries means um, with myself, with clients, you know, whatever. And 
I now see the boundary showing up in the rest of my life. So like even with some of my friends or my parents or my partner and yeah, that one can be really tough. But like when you're a small business owner, time is money. So like you, you have to treat your time as it's like the most valuable thing. Do you feel like it's affected your mental health and do you think boundaries have helped with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, being a small business owner has affected my mental health. Um, I feel much more responsible for where I'm at and my happiness and my emotions and everything. And I do think being in a really creative field, like it, it is emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think boundaries definitely help to like stabilize and like, you know, create expectations. But yeah, that's where like personal responsibility comes in where you have to take care of yourself. You have to eat well, you have to move your body. You have to make sure you're getting paid what you deserve. And you have to stay on top of it because it can get yeah, it can be get really tricky. What is something you think has helped when it comes to boundary setting so that you're able to keep your mental health in check? Yeah, so one thing that I have learned and that I do is I create a schedule weekly um, and basically like Mondays are my call and admin days and then Tuesdays are my edit days and I tend to do social media on that and then Wednesdays go back to like admin and phone calls and emails and then Thursday Fridays are my shoot days you know, in my ideal world, I would only shoot on Thursdays. There's like something about Thursdays. The energy is really good and like focused and there aren't a lot of people out. But sometimes my clients need to do Fridays. All of that to be said, I feel like that's even just one way that I know what to expect going into those days. Like I know what I need to focus on. So I think just creating those type of systems and structure for yourself because the other day, Otherwise, if you wake up every morning, like, what am I going to do today? Like it can cause some emotional turbulence, I would say. Have you had to limit the hours that you work and set boundaries around those? Definitely. Yeah. So when I first started, I mean, I would be like, oh my God, I just got an email. I need to respond right away. Or I, I just got done with photo shoot. I need to post immediately or I need to edit immediately and There were some days where I'd get up so early and I would work until midnight and do the same thing over and over and over again. And then on the weekends, I would get a text or I post on social or whatever. And I've gotten to a point with this new business model that I keep referring to where I actually treat it like a nine to five, ironically enough, because I know that's like what many of us are trying to escape. But that's the schedule that most of the world works on. So basically Monday through Friday, I work nine to five and then I shut it down, take my dog for a walk. I cook dinner. And especially on the weekends, like I disconnect. So sometimes that takes time to get to that point in your business. And that's what works for me. But yeah, I think it, you have to just remember like everything can wait. Like when you work for yourself, like that email can wait, like these photos can wait and you just need to set expectations with your clients. I fully agree with everything you said. I work very similarly and I do the same thing. I have very specific days that I do certain things. I check in with my clients Monday through Wednesday. I do admin on Monday. 
Tuesdays and Wednesdays are a little bit more creative. Honestly, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are typically a little bit of shorter days for me because I don't typically have as many like activities happening. And then Thursdays is the day I do all of my client programming. And then Fridays are my creative days. It's like the perfect day to sit outside. If it's not a thousand degrees, like sit by the pool, kind of get an early weekend, but like do something creative, like something, like you said, Thursdays for you is that day. Friday for me is like, we're so close to the weekend. Like I want to be able to relax on a Friday. And so I take it as like a very creative day. Like I don't like taking any sales calls on Fridays. I want that to be just like fully creative. Like I get ready on Friday mornings. Like I wash my hair on Fridays. Like I am like full force ready to go. And I think that's been so important. But I also think it's so important what you said about the nine to five and figuring out what works because I am – adamantly against the boss babe mentality of just like Mm -hmm. hustling super hard. Now, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm a hard worker. Yes, I hustle. But I just don't believe in working on everything at all hours. Like there has to be a shutoff time. Like you have to have boundaries with clients. Like my clients don't hear from me on the weekends. Like adios. Like I am not available. Like you can find me on Monday morning. First thing I'll be up at 5 a.m. But like not until then. And I think that's so important to remember and that everybody's schedule looks different. If you run your business, like maybe on Tuesdays, you only work for three hours. Like, cool. Maybe you're super productive and get all your shit done and don't need nine hours to get things done. And I think that's so important to focus on because I get in the headspace of where I see other coaches that are like, I worked until midnight last night. And then you get into that imposter syndrome of like, oh my God, I'm not working until midnight. But then all of a sudden you're just doing busy work and you're not doing anything productive because you're just so worried about working to work when you're literally doing nothing. And you're like giving yourself reasons to research something that you didn't even need to research. You just wasted all of your time when you could have been like chilling. Totally. And like social media is so tricky because you don't have the context. Like maybe she worked until midnight because she was just on a two week vacation. You know what I mean? But instead someone like us, we go on there and we're like, what? She worked till midnight. Like I called my day early. So yeah, you got to figure out what works for you. Yeah. And I think sometimes I can't remember who I was talking to, but I used to start work at noon. Because I wanted my morning to just like, I wanted to wake up when I wanted to wake up and I wanted to like have my morning, make my breakfast, clean the house, do all my stuff because I wanted to set the environment up. And after Mm -hmm. I had some lunch at noon, I eat early, I wanted to sit down, do my work and I could get it done in five hours, six hours. There's what's the point of like spending eight hours if you don't need eight hours. Totally. And I don't know if you feel this. I'm kind of like a feeler, but like I feel everything is what that means. Like all emotions all the time. Um, But I find that different times of year, it fluctuates for me. So like sometimes of years, similar to you, I will want to start at 12 and I'll actually want to go until like 7 or 8 p.m. Like I have the energy, um, but then other seasons I'm like up at 6 and I'm like ready to go. So yeah, you just have to figure out what works for you and then like allow a little bit of room to like be flexible and agile. Totally. That's I feel the beauty like, of working for yourself. I feel like every spring 
I don't know why it's spring. I get like this weird I don't I don't even know what you would call it, but I like am such a night owl. And mm. I want to just like work until the late hours. Like I'll be on this like creative kick where something yeah. in the air changes and I'm like I need to be up until 4 a.m. and I'll wake yeah. up later, but I don't, it's the strangest thing. And I think it's really nice that we have the flexibility to do so. And I think it's like one of the really cool parts about owning your own business that you can create those rules and you can set those expectations. Like it was really important to me to, I guarantee 24 hour communication with my clients that kind of saves both of us because I know if what if they're up at 4 a.m. and they have a question and yeah. it's just on their mind, great, shoot it over. I'm just like not going to respond to you right away. Yeah. And so I think it's yeah. great to set those boundaries with clients, with yourself, and with the people yeah. that you're in relationships with as well and let them know where you're at. And I think that creates a better working environment for everybody. Totally. I'm glad you said that because I feel like it really does start with yourself. It's like boundaries with self and then with others. Because if she texted you at 4am and you just responded, like you just broke your own boundary. So it really just starts with you. Yeah. I used to be that person. I used to be obsessed. Like I remember when I first started going to therapy, it was when I had my business with my partner and even when she would – like, we had no boundaries with each other, which was probably Ooh. one of the reasons why our business didn't it, – why it failed was because we didn't have any boundaries. And so anytime she would text me, I would – like, I can't even describe it. If you have not had anxiety, then you just won't get it. But if you've had anxiety, you'll get it. Like, overwhelming, just pure anxiety to the point where I would be at the gym, she would text me, and I would start crying. Like so much anxiety surrounding like getting back to everything. And she was starting her workday earlier than I was. And so, oh my God, it was so bad. So bad. Like, oh, oh, just thinking about that like horrifies me. Yeah, I felt that. (laughs) It's like anybody that has had anxiety and that has experienced anxiety from something like feels that and they're like, oh, that felt wrong. Totally. Emily, what is what is next for you? What is coming up in your life, in your business? Are you working on any fun projects that you can share? Are you doing anything within your business? Like, tell me more. Yeah. So I just launched three new packages. So I basically, like we were saying at the beginning of this, so much trial and error as to what works, what lands well with my clients. And I've tried all different hour packages and I just launched. um, So I now have a half day brand shoot, which is three hours of shoot time. I have a full day brand shoot, which is six hours. And then I have a year long membership where you get 10 hours and you can kind of use them how you want. So it's really ideal for that woman who wants to, be on social media a lot, or perhaps she has brand partnerships or products that she needs to constantly photograph. Um, So a little bit of something for everyone. Um, They all include diving into your brand. And I'm just really excited to have options because all of last year, I just offered one package, which was so cool. Um, But I'm excited to have uh, options now. And summer tends to be a little bit of a slow time for me, but fall gets 
crazy. Like everyone wants photos after summer, before the holidays and before the new year, because they're either launching around the holidays or launching right in the new year. So fall gets to get, tends to get really busy for me. So that's kind of what's next. And then long-term is I am going to be creating an online course. Um, I haven't decided the um, like platform that I want to use, whether it's like an online thing or PDFs or how I want to do it. Um, but I'm at this point where I'm so eager to share my knowledge with other photographers who are looking to up-level their photography businesses. So that's what next. That's what's next. And in the meantime, I love being on podcasts and I hope to get to some more in uh, person events because I miss being in person. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast and just talking about all things about boundary setting, business, health, and wellness. I really appreciate it. And to everybody listening, remember to be bold, to be confident, see you. We'll be